Welcome, everybody, to another edition of Draft Politics. I am your host, Steve, and with me here, as always, it's EJ. Happy 76th episode. 76. That's it's, a, it's an auspicious number. It is. 1776. Mm-hmm. The 76ers. I, yeah, I was born in 1976, actually. Well, there you go. There it is. Don't dox me. Uh, Again. It, yeah, exactly. This is one of those things where, you know, life has gotten in the way a little bit. I've been able to do this every week. Um, and there was a broad spectrum of things to talk about, or we would have thought, until the last week. And everything kind of condensed. So much has happened yeah. in the last seven days. I feel like we've just we've drifted back into Trump time. Like, back when it was like, you know, when Trump was in charge, it was like, there was no shortage of crazy things to talk about and things to keep us busy and... Uh, you know, and, and, and things have been a little more reasonable, except for like, you know, the last week or so. So um, we're going to go in a little bit of a weird order today because yeah. things are happening in a weird order. They um, are. And, and I think one of the things that I've been <laughs> thinking a lot about recently is, you know, processing all that's happening in terms of proximity to ourselves. You know, like, right. like I think we both have... Things going on in our personal lives, things going on in the neighborhood, things going on in the city, things going on in the country, things yeah. going on globally. And, you know, what are how we balance our dread versus fear, you know, you know, acute versus existential, right. you know, and how much that gets well, in the way and, of and, processing and like it. The emotional impact of things is affected by, you know, how proximate you are to them. I mean, obviously, everybody's got a different sense of empathy and, and, and you know. You can understand the, the hard things that are going on, even on the other side of the world, to an extent. But then there are the things that are happening right around you, you know, which can have a, a, a greater impact for seemingly smaller things, right? Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, With that. So our first topic is beer, but in sort of, in, but in a unusually sad way. Um, if you did not hear, uh, the Twisted Hippo Brewery uh, was caught up in a fire. And uh, is is no more. Yeah, I it's mean, a total loss. Yeah, it's a total uh, loss. I wandered over there uh, the day that it happened uh, that afternoon. Well, first of all, I, so what was your experience of hearing about this? Uh, I was so I was out of town. So it happened uh, Monday night into Tuesday. So President's Day day into yeah uh, the Tuesday, and I got a text from somebody. Uh, pretty early in the morning that just said, prepare to bleep this out, twisted hippo. And I had no idea what they meant. And so then I started quickly looking into it and saw that there had been a fire. So twisted hippo in the Albany Park neighborhood, um, a fire had started at the apartment building behind it. Yeah. And moved to the the building that housed uh, a few things. So... uh, Ultimate Ninja Warriors, which was like a, just what it sounds like, a place where you could go to... Where they trained assassins, right. Yes, Yes. and obstacle courses and Twisted Hippo. Yes. And moved from the back to the front. Um, Part of the building collapsed, the wall collapsed. Uh, Everything in Ultimate Ninja Warriors was destroyed. Um, Yeah, and everything in Twisted Hippo except the awesome mural was destroyed so the mural is still there and vibrant and yes, bright the which hippo is survives 
Yeah, my my experience of it was waking up in the morning and I was tuning into WBEZ a little bit, and uh, they they were they were mentioning traffic and they talked about a fi- a warehouse fire on Montrose in Sacramento, and I'm like, what's over there? Like, what warehouse is over there? Yeah, and I'm like, and I didn't quite like let it seep in enough to figure out what they were talking about until a little bit later in the day, and I'm like, oh shit, that's Twisted Hippo, and. I ended up going over there that afternoon just to, like, bear witness to it. Yeah. You know, just kind of see what had happened. Um, ran into one of the owners, gave them a hug, um, talked a little bit about it. This was actually um, – EJ knows them very well. Yeah, um, Carl and Merrily. Carl and Merrily. Um, I, uh, you know, know them through doing the podcast, and I've gone there, you know, occasionally, you know, independent of that. But – um, that was actually where we did our first podcast. It was, yeah. And so uh, we've got a little bit of history of the place, and certainly it sounds like they're going to start again. Uh, I don't know if they're going to start there or somewhere else, but... Yeah, I think they're trying to figure out how to navigate this. Yeah. Uh, the community came together. So, you know, one thing, there, there are a couple of really interesting things about this. And again, when we talk about this, how close you are to things. Twisted Hippo was, um, since they started, has been really dedicated to being part of the community and being a good part of the community yeah. and doing all of these things. Um, and the community responded, right? Like they, um, you know, within a couple of hours, actually, I think the brewing community started a GoFundMe. Um, that GoFundMes had been started for the people who lost their housing. And we'll talk about the owner of that building in a second. Um, Twisted Hippo and Ultimate Ninja Warriors next to it. And, and we can post the, the GoFundMes there. Yeah. Um, but the community really responded to trying to help, you know, Carl and Marilee and the people who worked there. So, you know, one of the things that they did right from the beginning was said, we're going to pay a living wage. We're not going to do tipping. Yeah, they we're going to do, do tipping. Yeah. I, and, and just that approach, right? Like, we want to be a good place for people to work. And right before the pandemic hit, we were working on a whole plan for, you know, figuring out what is the best for employees all the time yeah. for the people who work there. And I just, I, I just loved that. And I loved everything about them. They had navigated their way through the pandemic. I was there the Thursday before the fire, um, talking to Marilee and uh, a new, a new bartender there. And we were just talking about how like she could see the light at the end of the tunnel. It was, you know, and yeah. you just, I don't know. Uh, heart heart breaks for them, um, and yeah, I, I hope that they I hope that they have the energy to rebuild. It was yeah. it was really hard from from the offs, you know, just getting everything done, getting the permitting, you know, that was yeah, a, it's, a slog. It's, it's a, I mean, it's a hard thing to open up a business in general. Opening up a business that serves alcohol is an extra level of of hassle. Um, you know, you regularly see restaurants opening up where it's like oh coming at a certain time and then it's like six months later is when yeah. they finally get enough things done that they can open up um and you know trying to do all of this in the midst of a pandemic um now they started you know well before the pandemic but obviously they've been impacted by it over the last couple yeah, of years of course and, um you know they aren't a place that has a lot of they don't have any outdoor space so they you know that wasn't yeah. something that was available to very them. little they had yeah to, <laughs> they had to figure it out yeah um I still have a couple Twisted Hippo beers that I'm saving, yeah. actually. 
I I was hoping I had like one random can of something and couldn't find it and hit a couple liquor stores uh, on my way back from when I went and you know stopped by there and nothing available. I was like, oh well. Yeah, I have a couple. We'll we'll share them. I have a devil. I have two Devil May Cara Cara, excellent like yes. a brewed IPA, uh, and oh another one that's like a. Fruity Goza that I think you would oh, like. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah. Very cool. So our thoughts are with them. Um, you know, I'm, I hope that they rebuild. And, and if they decide it's not worth it, I also totally, totally I understand. understand. And, uh, we're, we're, you know, we're there to support you guys either way. So, so that's, that's, that's the that. localist local news we've got. That is, it's, and it's pretty local. So let's completely let's go, flip the script and go now far go away. international. Uh, normally, international is a thing we kind of tuck in at the end. Yeah, the you just kind of slide like through talking there. Talking about our local stuff. But uh, for it's some like reason, chances are Israel's having another election. That was right? <laughs> right? We're talking about, you know, we haven't talked about Brexit in a while. We could be talk- Let's talk about Brexit a little bit. No, 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 no. We've got, as you might have guessed, uh, a little bit of little bit Ukraine news to talk about. So, um, I'm sure that if you're listening to this podcast, you're aware of it, uh, especially our, our Norwegian fans who are a little closer to all of this than we are. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the latest that we have right now is uh, the U.S. Embassy in Russia has warned uh, U.S. nationals to uh, get out of Russia at this point. Now, the justification being that uh, Russian airlines are being shut down from going anywhere at yeah. this point. So. Uh, it, just a matter of if you need to get out of the country, you may not be able to, uh, and sort of a preempt, preemptive move on that. So, so um, we're in today is day four yeah. of the invasion, right? Yeah. And um, who knows by the time anybody hears this where things are going to be? Um, yeah, you know. Uh, well, and actually, let me let me let me pause real quick because you yeah. say day four. Let's. Let, I want to step back a little bit before that. Is this has been ongoing since? the invasion of Crimea back in, like, 2014. Like, there yeah, have been true. Russian actors in, you know, you know, proxies who have been fighting in parts of Ukraine for years now. There has yeah, been a war at some level. So this is obviously a, a huge escalation relative to that, but I just want to make sure that we don't lose that history there. No, um, it's, it is really a good point. And, you know, in the, you know, in the last... You know, a month or so, right? There's been a lot of buildup of troops. And, um, you know, last week, troops entered Ukraine from three different axes, right? From the Black Sea and and Crimea, from Russian territory into, you know, the sort of separatist reasons. Um, like, yes, like extreme Don- quotes on the separatist. Yeah, Donsk. <laughs> um, and... Also from Belarus, and I think that that's something that's really notable, yeah. right? Yeah, and Belarus is a Russian-aligned country, puppet. but it's a, it is definitely a puppet government. Um, and so, it, and it is interesting in that um, other, like, former Soviet republics that have been nominally Russian-aligned haven't been as supportive of this. I know Kazakhstan, for example, yeah. was against this. Um, but Belarus has been fully on board, and they were part of some initial, you know, cover of war games things sure. going on there. And, and the reason that they, uh, the reason that the invasion partially came from Belarus is because that's the closest point to Kiev, 
Yes. So the the closest border to Kiev is Belarus, and it's yeah, you know, whatever, and also sixty if you look, miles north. If you look at the way that um, that Ukraine is structured, I'm gonna just make sure I'm saying this correctly. So pausing briefly. Don't worry, I will correct you if you're wrong. Um, Correct. Yes. So one of the one key reason why Belarus is important here is there's a large river that separates a big chunk of yeah. Ukraine. The Dnieper. The Dnieper, uh, which I'm pronouncing probably quite poorly. Um, but um, Belarus covers the border north of there and, it, and basically is kind of on the other side of that river. So if they so if Russia was trying to stay within Ukraine and wasn't going to Belarus, they have to cross that river, which strategically is a little bit more of a challenge right um so anyhow um and and look we're not going to be the 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 i'm not the retired four-star general to give you advice while i pump my lockheed stock um i I will wow um (laughs) (laughs) i will i will say one thing so my uh my father's ancestry is all polish and ukrainian yeah so, and and look, the border between Poland and Ukrainian has moved several times, as we've talked about before and joked about. Yeah, you know, everybody conquers Poland, um, and I feel some connection there. We also have some friends, uh, you know, here in the U.S. who are uh, who are Ukrainian and and have loved ones there, and you know, the, all the reasons kind of given uh, from Russia for the invasion were all straight out of you know straight out of a Soviet playbook. Yeah, you know. well, and it, it reminds me, honestly, like listening to them talk about it. And I've, I've heard a couple of interviews with Russian members of parliament and, and things like that. And, it, and it, what it sounds like as I'm listening to the Fox News version of things, I mean, it's not, you know, the overlap is not 100%, but just that sense of like they're operating in a completely different reality um, and getting their information from different sources. So, um you know, so there was a talk of denazification. And yeah. while there is a history around, you know, Ukraine aligning with, you know, the Germans during World War II, there is also a history of them being conquered by the Russians prior to that. And thus, you know, there's all sorts of things that but but by and large, it is a lie to yeah. protect or uh, to, to, well, to justify what's being done to the Russian people. Basically. Well, right, because it makes, you know, that's a it's an easy it's an easy bugaboo. Right. Yeah. Um, it's always yes. It's always fun to say you're punching Nazis, right? Unless you're a Nazi, <laughs> unless you're on Fox News, um, right? T- Tucker Carlson. Yeah, Anyhow. you can't. Mm, mm-hmm. I I really felt like Putin's speech where he talked about you know denazification when he talked about Ukraine never really being a thing, yeah. that it was a creation of Lenin to bolster the Bolsheviks. Uh, which is a fun tongue twister. Just you knew, you knew as soon as he said that, yeah, that it wasn't going to be just trying to to take parts of the east, you know, the breakaway Russian language. Yeah. Speaking. Uh, and it has been striking to see like how what has unfolded has been like like clearly like U.S. intelligence was very well embedded in what was going on in Russia because. Mm-hmm. It was just like we were just publishing all of what was going to be happening, and it's happened exactly as it was yeah. described. Yeah. And I think to some extent it's because Putin does not give a f- It's, you know, that um, his only concern is 
that Russia itself doesn't turn against him. Like, he doesn't really care about what the international community does at this point. I think he, well, uh, and I think we'll talk about sanctions and talk about response mm-hmm. in a minute, because it, it may be that he, he ends up having to care about it. Yeah. But, I, I, so what do you think about the sort of Biden administration strategy of sort of pre-bunking things, right? Like we're gonna we're gonna release all the intel. Yeah, I, I think it I think it does two things. One is it 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 like helps drive a unification of our response with the rest of the world, right? Like we say, like this is coming, and and making and it gives us credibility when when we say this is hap- yeah. going to happen, and then it happens. So that's part of it. I think it also is telegraphing to Russia that we know what you're doing in pretty good detail. So you're not going to surprise anybody. And so and and I would guarantee you that though there is no formal declaration of this, that we are sharing our intelligence with Ukraine. Oh, yeah. About what's going on, about what Russian troops are doing and all of that. Uh, Yeah, for sure. It Um, also kind of tells Putin that like people around him are talking. Yeah, he doesn't have secrets, which I think is troubling to yeah. Putin, right? Yeah. And and to me, the something that's really been interesting about all of this has been the way information has flowed. So again, for the last few weeks, hearing things from from the U.S. and some of our allies about what's going to happen today or tomorrow or the next day, and that being proven right, and now sort of the crowdsourcing of information coming out. Yeah. You know, it, be it, I, and I think you made this point, right, that that we we knew where tanks were because Google Maps was saying there was heavy traffic. Well, it, was, it, was, you get, it wasn't the tanks. It was you seeing the evacuation All happen. Right, yeah. So, like, I, like, I, like, the morning, like, the first morning where things were really getting intense around Kiev and people were starting to evacuate, I was like, well, let me just see what Google Maps looks like. Because it's like, yeah. this is a... Like, most of the time you've seen military actions, they're in countries that have been less developed and whatever. Like, Ukraine is a very well-developed country. So, like, all of that infrastructure of, like, what is my travel time between Kiev and Kharkiv? Kharkiv? Kharkiv, yeah. You're um, not going between those two countries or cities going, right like, now. Yeah, I would not. But you might Google, be going Google to Google Maps Lviv. may tell you a different direction. Which is, yeah, uh, you're going to go, because everybody's going west. Right, right. Right. Anyhow. Uh, and, uh, but it was interesting to, like, have the thought of what if I was I, I will say like that my perspective on this has been that I, I feel like more of a sense of like what would I be doing if I was in that situation I don't know why that is exactly like you know seeing that it's a fairly like built up city that I you know has a more like western kind of feel yeah. to it like it's like it has a little more familiarity which gets back to what we were saying mm-hmm. before um, and would you flee or would you stay and fight or, you know, those kinds of things. But yeah, and I, I don't know. I don't I don't know either. But I I have really been struck by the information and the information war yeah. that's come out of this. Right. So, yeah. you know, we're we're seeing things like, you know, crowdsourced videos of where Russian troops are and yeah. requests from so the. The Ukrainian government has requested people look. I, we want to see videos and pictures of 
uh, Russian vehicles with these markings on them. Yeah. If you have drones, we want you to fly the drones up and send us the videos. Yeah. I mean, that's amazing. That yeah. There's like a whole like mind. Ukraine IT effort on Twitter of like getting people to like post about these things and yeah. share those things. And it's interesting in that Russia has a very robust Twitter presence. Lots of they do. bots yeah. and, and their own actors, which we know about from our elections. Um, we do. And yet... When you look for Ukraine and those sort of things on Twitter, it over like you don't see Russian propaganda bots. You see Ukrainian journalists who are on the ground. You see yep. people showing you like what's on their streets. Well, and uh, Twitter actually shut down the ability to create new accounts from Russia. Yeah, which is surprising and good. Yes. Also, interesting. Oh yeah, yeah. So, like, <laughs> you must know it's already a problem if you have a solution in your pocket to fix it. Oh yeah, just just tossing that out there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but we've also then seen through social media sort of the rise of Zelensky, right? And I think Zelensky, Volodymyr Zelensky, who, by the way, in the whole denazification thing, it should be said, is Jewish, right? <laughs> But Which does seem to slightly undermine yeah, the whole... Yeah, and, and we'll talk about him more, but vibe. he's, every day, he's posting things. He is, he is showing how you can win the information war, and Putin has been very good in the past at, at muddling things, at you know, creating smoke screens through disinformation. Yeah. And between... Like, the information war has been something Russia has been particularly good at. Yes. Yeah, um, they have I mean, been. see also 2016 here. Yes. Um, and yet. And yet. And and so here we are. We've got all this pre-bunking, right? It's the Democrat server in the Ukraine. That's the big difference here. Everything's running through that. <laughs> but I think that there are so many good lessons to be learned from winning the information war. And what that's allowed... For the response, right? Yeah. Because the response, as you said before, has been very unified and yeah. much stronger, honestly, than I expected. Um, but because all of these things came out ahead of time, because there was no way for Putin to sort of create that smokescreen, yeah. it became much harder for anybody to kind of pick a neutral position. Yeah. Right? They had to pick a side. And so, you know, we're seeing, you know, Blocking of airspace, as you said, so now yeah. it's essentially impossible to, to fly a Russian carrier into the EU, and most airspace is blocked. So yeah. even if you're allowed to land in some country, hey, looking at you, Sweden, um, even if you're allowed to land there yeah. as a Russian airline, you have to go around Finland and you got to go north. It's going to be... Right, right. Yeah, you can't get there from here, right? That's, that's big. Um, uh, Turkey has said... They are blocking ships from either the Ukraine, which doesn't have any ships outside of the Black Sea, but either Ukraine or Russia from entering the Black Sea. Yeah. That's very big. And sanctions kind of across the board. Um, yeah. And those have been, you know, they started off when the first sort of incursion happened. There was a first round of sanctions that were like, okay, we're hitting the small banks. We're kind of hinting yeah. at what can come. 
And now, like, uh, several major Russian banks have been pulled out of the SWIFT system, which, if you don't know what the SWIFT system is, basically, that's the way all banks do transfers. Like, yeah. you can transfer money without the SWIFT system, but it's like calling some dude at the bank and saying, hey, let's let's figure out how to do this. It's not it's not a straightforward process. Yeah. In every country in the G7 now has, yeah. has agreed to this. Japan as well. And, yeah. that- and, and there was some initial resistance by... You know, countries that have closer ties to the Russian economy, you know, dependent on energy from Russia and all of that. Yeah. And, you know, but everybody, I think, has really kind of had a unification around this. And so Nord Stream 2 yes. was was halted immediately by the Germans. Yeah. And this, if you recall, um, this was something the Biden administration wanted Germany to not do a while ago because they recognized... This means more Russian gas flowing into Europe, more dependency, and that there was a, a strategic risk around that. And we kind of see why right now. And yeah. so now that has been stopped. The company that was working on building that has been cut off from the global financial system. So, uh, yeah, so there's a lot going on. Now, obviously, we do not have anybody talking about m- moving NATO troops into Ukraine. There's a very clear line of we're not going to send in forces. We will send in money. We will send in, you know, support in medical aid, food aid, and weapons. Yeah. Um, You see uh, the U.S., Germany uh, sending in, you know, uh, anti-tank weapons, Mm -hmm. anti-air weapons. Uh, The U.S. uh, released, like, Lithuania. Like, the way the U.S. does things with their sort of high-end weapons is there's kind of a, you can have this, but we get to tell you what you can do with it deal. And so we've said, you guys can send it there. It's cool. And so that's been happening. Yeah. Estonia, Lithuania, Germany, Sweden. Yeah. I I mean, again. U.K. I mean, the list goes on. We don't need to catalog all of them. Pretty pretty unified, um, which is, I believe, both remarkable and not what Putin was expecting. Well, I believe, you know, I think it's it's interesting is, like, if you look at what Putin has been trying to do, so he when they, when they invaded Crimea, there was the sanctions that came about from that, right? Yeah. And those sanctions are what led to what happened with Russia trying to get involved in our 2016 elections. It was very much rooted in trying to get those sanctions lifted, trying to sort of unwind our political system, make it harder for us to act. Yeah. And, and, and you've seen similar actions throughout European elections and things like that. And so basically he's trying to divide us, trying to fragment us. And, and if you look at his actions during his reign, um, you actually, I should bleep that out. Former president, that's what I meant. Um, <laughs> I don't know why. Uh, but uh, if you look at what he was doing, he was undermining our NATO relationships. And right. And it was all part of a larger effort. And so over the course of those years, it was Putin building up financial resources to withstand further sanctions. And his theory being that he could go into uh, Ukraine, take it over, weather the sanctions that come, and and have our alliances slowly fray as people didn't want to pay the costs of... Because the sanctions hurt us as well as they Russia. Do. I think that's a really good point, yeah. right? And so it's, it's basically like... Putin's theory is he will win a war of attrition in the long run. Yeah. And and look, a lot of the sanctions are going to most acutely hurt the oligarchs in Russia and the sort of upper middle class, both of whom yes. Putin needs to be aligned with him. Absolutely. So, you know, people are 
so yachts are being commandeered, right? And, yeah. Uh, and I, <laughs> there was a great story, and I do mean great, of a you know Russian political. Think of a Russian Tucker Carlson. Wait, no, he is Russian. Uh, think of <laughs> Tucker Carlson in Russia, who you know talks about how the West is terrible and how Russia is a great country, but happens to have two multi-million-dollar mansions in Italy, right? And he can no longer access these, and yeah. he was in tears, complaining about it, yeah. about how the West was not as free as they claimed to be. Like these are the people that it's hitting. Um, well, and I think it's like if. If the overall perception of what the West is doing in response to Russia, if the, if the perception of that by Russians is that it's the West being mean to Russia, that will have one outcome. If, if the perception is Putin shouldn't have done this and this is costing us, that will have a different outcome. Yeah, and I'm sure it's a divide, right? I, if, the, and, and, you know, and obviously you have Russian state media trying to control that narrative there. On the other hand, you have what appears to be anonymous hacking Russian TV channels to broadcast what's going right. on in Ukraine, broadcast Ukrainian music on Russian TV yeah. channels. So it's it's going to be real interesting to see how that plays out as this yeah. evolves. And, and I will tell you that after the second day of the invasion, I, what I heard from people, both personal contacts, because I have colleagues in Russia, and uh, through other sources, was that Russian state media stopped talking about it. Well, I think at some point it's like to talk about it in such an obvious lie reduces your credibility and it's not worth saying much more about it. Well, and it's also clearly not moving as quickly. Well, yeah. and yes. I, So I, I think there was probably a thought by Putin, at least, that Ukrainians actually wanted to be Russian. And so they would get rid of cast out their president yeah. or their president would flee the moment the troops came in which yeah. has not happened yeah it has not happened so and, yeah you know and it's it's still so early in all of this that it's hard to read into like what's going on on the ground and like are are we at the how how, how far into this are we like are are we at the point where at some point, Russia says, eh, this isn't working out. We need to figure out a way to back off of it. And what does that even look like? Or is it a point where Russia says, this approach is not working. Now we need to escalate. Well, and I think that's a, that's a great point. And in the last 20, uh, not even 24, probably in the last eight hours, Russia has announced that they're sort of mobilizing their nuclear forces, which is not great. But yeah. mostly, uh, I think, just a... Uh, it, I, mean, it, I mean, if you think about it, it's like, you know, if you've seen war games, you see the DEF CON numbers going. Yeah. And so, like, so, like, it's moving the DEF CON number a little bit in one direction. Maybe, like, like a half a point. Don't, 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 don't freak out. Don't start going right. back and rewatching the day after so you remember how this is all supposed to work. Shout out to my childhood. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I thought it was Terminator. But, the, but they're doing that publicly as you know a deterrent right they're saying this right is, i think be, it's be wary of this but at the same time they're they've agreed to talks peace talks yes. with ukraine on the belarusian border without conditions so which is a change so on day one putin said i'd be happy to talk with the ukrainians in belarusia 
in Belarus um, as soon as the Ukrainians stopped fighting. Yeah. And now it's without conditions on the border. So those are already small, but right. I think and notable so, concessions. Yeah. And so, like, does that mean that they're really looking to find a way to end this? Or does it mean, or is there some, like, we're just trying to delay or try to change the narrative a bit or, you know, who knows? And we'll find out. Um, I know that there's been reports of uh, Russian artillery being moved into position with... Uh, what they call thermobaric weapons, which are these, like, basically, it's about as large as you can get with a conventional weapon before you start using nukes. And it's, like, the kind of thing you would do if you wanted to um, demolish an urban center. And yeah. so, like, so so there's the path to escalation, and hopefully that's not the direction they're going to go, because that would be Devastating. pretty brutal. Um, can, we, can we talk just for a minute about Zelensky? Yes, Volodymyr Zelensky. Actually, let me let me do one. Let yeah, me say yeah, one absolutely. thing before we move on to that. And you know, and it's, I, I want to go back to the what we started with when we talked about you know the, the how things feel and and how we talk about things based on kind of how local it is. And so I want to just acknowledge the fact that the way that we're talking about this is a very we're removed from what's going on there. We're watching it happen, yeah. but we you know we don't have that feeling of you know we're in a subway system trying to figure out are we going to be able you know. There are reports of, you know, food food starting to run out there and things like that. And so um, I just want to, like, acknowledge that sort of yeah. human element that yeah. that is We're easy to detach yourself from. Not yeah. not just, you know, as a sort of self-defense mechanism, right? Yeah. It's like, I don't, you know, I've got, <laughs> there's enough going on in the world that, you know, you don't necessarily want to think about those things. Um, so anyhow, so that, yeah. that. We're at a brewery while yes. the breweries in Ukraine are making Molotov making cocktails. Making Molotov cocktails, which... <laughs> That was, that's, yeah. Maybe the best Instagram post I've ever seen right. was a brewery in uh, Lviv uh, saying we're not yeah. making beer right now. Right yeah. now we've got a special brew, and it was Molotov cocktails, and yeah. damn it, good on them. So let's talk about L- Zelensky. Yeah, Zelensky. So elected in, in 2019, we talked about him actually. Can you imagine this? We've been doing this long enough that we talked about his election. Yes. We did. I'm absolutely sure we talked about his election. Yes. Um, he I was w- actually like trying to like process the timeline of all this because I'm like, he was very much involved in all of Trump's bullshit, but I'm like, well, when was that happening? And I'm like, okay, so no, but that, that actually lines up. Like, yeah. okay, we're fine. Yeah, and um, he was, he was a, an actor and a comedian, and his sort of most famous role was playing, the, uh, playing a president. Yes. And he parlayed that into being elected. And, and what it feels like to me is, like, imagine if the United States elected Jon Stewart. And then, like, actually, it doesn't even translate. Like, there's no. <laughs> no. I mean, he's a year older than I am, right? Yeah. He's, um, and I think that, so two things. One is that. Trump assumed he could bully him in 2020. Yeah. And that wasn't the case. Yeah. Um, Putin assumed, I think Putin assumed that he would just bail out as soon as the tanks started rolling. Yeah. Um, he's, he has, he has stood up to the two largest nuclear powers in the world being run in both cases by, you know, egomaniac, crazy people. Yeah. Um, so he's st- and he's and it's just like I don't know. Like 
hard times can lead to can like really test people and and make make yeah. you know what is otherwise a you know a fairly normal person into something more than that. And so, you know, and obviously like all of the Ukrainians are, you know, doing a lot here and suffering through a lot. And so I don't want to like raise him as like unique in that sense, but like he he had every opportunity to say I'm going to go to the west of Ukraine leave the country entirely yeah. he could have tried to sort of give the message of everybody stay and fight i'm going to be over here I'm whereas asked. now he is like he's been you know broadcasting from the capital he is number one on russia's kill list um and yet he's staying there and he is right. part of the fight yeah and when when he was offered an extraction his response was i don't need a ride i need ammunition yeah um and and again we He'll don't really know anything about yes. him, except he's there. He is, as you said, broadcasting every morning from Kiev. Yeah. You know, he's saying, I'm here. I'm, I'm fighting. We're all fighting. We have, to, we have to recognize that this is a pivotal moment in our lives, in our children's lives, in our grandchildren's lives. Yes. And, you know, he was not super popular before. And this has made him the face of Ukraine and... We talked about the information war before. He is spearheading winning that war. Well, and I think there's there's some hope embedded in that for all of us. In that, I think that it's easy to like see yeah. how facts and truth are manipulated and how like you know the all the propagandists and all that like how they can undermine our sense that we have a future that things are going to work out but then you can see somewhere like that where everything is as dark and awful as it could possibly be yeah and yet you see the truth of what's going on and and human beings responding to that truth in uh in noble and heroic ways and how that can work out and so like you know take something good from that um by the way, he will be played by uh, Jeremy Renner. Uh, he will absolutely be played by, or Sean Penn, <laughs> or Sean is, Penn, who yeah. is in Ukraine right now filming a documentary. No shit. Okay. Well, yeah. So, so one of the two. I mean, I, I thought well, maybe that he'll too. just be in the documentary and he'll just play himself. You know, well, that's true. He's an actor. That's, that's uh, yeah. a good idea. Yeah. Um, so I'm looking forward to his comedy tour, though. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. So let me ask this question. <laughs> yeah. Why do you think conservatives are backing Putin? Well, you know, I will say, if somebody was backing Putin before and they're continuing to back Putin now, at least it's consistent. Um, and, you know, and I think it's an appeal of, if you've got that affinity for authoritarianism, Putin's your guy. Yeah, Because he's true. like Trump, he's... but actually competent. Um, yes. So, like, it, like, on that like level, it's, it makes at least some sense to me. Um and if you've already gone down that rabbit hole far enough, at some point it's just like you, your your brain can't comprehend mm. digging back out. Um, but I've seen like you know I was I was hearing an interview with uh, oh shoot Kinziger uh, the other day, and he was talking about he was talking about exactly this. He was talking about like his colleagues, you know, in the Republican Party, and how he was seeing that hypocrisy of like people who are saying like Biden is too weak and how he's responding to this, but then saying he's being too strong and how he's responding. Like it was trying to have it both ways yeah. and how, you know, I had people who were basically 
supporting Putin or were supporting Putin before, but now aren't supporting him. Like, it's like, what, like, what is your deal? Like, what yeah. do you actually stand for? Um, I saw a great uh, interview this morning with George Stephanopoulos with Tom Cotton, senator from Arkansas. And he's like, so, Tom, uh, you know, you're saying that this invasion is bad, but Donald Trump, who's the leader of the Republican Party, has said, like, Putin's very smart and very savvy, and it's a good thing. It's like, yeah. can you condemn that? Tom Cotton's like, I don't speak about other politicians. <laughs> what do you think about Biden? Yeah, exactly. And Stephanopoulos said that, like, if Kamala Harris or Joe Biden had come out and said, oh, yeah, Putin's pretty smart, wouldn't you have you had a response then? And Tom Cotton was silent for 15 seconds. And then somebody <laughs> pulled the string on his back to say, like, I don't speak about other politicians. Like, for the love of God, man, you absolutely do. Um, it was... It, I mean, oh. It's just like, that's what's so frustrating. I mean, it's like, it's just such naked political... Like, it has nothing to do with the actual reality of the world we live in, the things that would be good for this country or not. It is all about guy in power bad because other party, and, and that's yeah. it. You know, and I would like, you know, like, I try to imagine, I don't try to imagine this too much because it hurts me, but, like, try to imagine what would happen if this was happening with Trump in power, right? And if Trump was reacting exactly the same way as Biden, would I, would I have a more negative reaction to it, right? And I think probably I would be... Let me let me be clear. I think Biden I think we as a country and Biden could be doing more. I would not be of the mind that we should be sending troops into into Ukraine that we should be doing like a, you know, a, a no-fly zone, those kinds of things. But I think we can clearly be doing more. And I think I would have that same criticism if it was but I would probably emphasize that part more. <laughs> but yeah. But at the same time it's like I feel like I have enough objectiveness to be like Let's let's measure what they're doing against what should be done. What is the outcome that we actually yeah. want? I mean, I, I, you know, the only thing I feel confident in my knowledge of is that Russia should be the f out of Ukraine. Uh, but outside of that, like, I don't know the best way to get there. Yeah, I do support companies like Pornhub blocking Russians. Yes, I support there. I support companies like Pornhub. Oh, getting yeah, yes, yes, blocking yeah. yes, yes, right. Also, yes, right? Uh, yes. Um, you know, <laughs> yeah, I saw that today. I'm like, that's hey, God love them. I mean, I know mostly it's a PR thing, but damn. <laughs> hey, some some there's some Russian who's just like, wah, wah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> I. Yeah. So I so any kind of concluding thoughts on this? I feel like we've talked yeah, through we, a lot we've of talked a lot about it. I, I, you know, obviously this is ongoing. In probably the time we've been talking, something I, new has come up. I was just up. checking to see what it what had changed in yeah. that time, but not much because we're you know going into the evening. Yeah, it's time what like um, BP said that they're going to get rid of their their the stake in like their 10, Russian 10 businesses. PM there ish, something yeah. like that. Yeah, it's it's ten CET right yeah. now. Um, so I think all we can do is wait and hope and um, yeah. I just I, I really hope that this doesn't turn into something more violent than what it when it already is. That's that's my biggest fear. Um, 
Like it's that's that's I would say that's honestly a bigger fear I have at this point than sort of my childhood Cold War memories yeah. becoming much more true than it, they should be. And to um, me, the risk is Belarus joins the war, declares war against Ukraine. Then the EU is going to be in a really interesting position relative to that because yeah. now we've got another. Now this is not two countries; it's three, um, and. I mean, Belarus clearly has no no skin in this game other yeah. than being told by Putin. Yeah, I, I think I just one last thing that I want to note because yeah. I, I can't shake this right. There have been a you know some shaky elections in Ukraine, no doubt. It's important to note that the last Russian-supported president, his campaign was run by Paul Manafort and Robert Gates. That's right. I forgot about that. <laughs> the campaign they ran before Trump's was for a puppet candidate. It is fascinating. In how much of our recent history is all bound up in Ukraine? It is. It really, really is. Yeah. It really is. And I, I, I just. So when you hear. You know, when you hear some of this, like that is important context that these are folks who. Yeah, folks who became rich being paid by oligarchs to put somebody as a puppet leader into Ukraine. Yeah. Anyway, so how about that? uh, That is our our record breaking international segment uh, for this show. Uh Hopefully, we will not break that record again. No. Go, Ukraine. Go, Ukraine. Uh, So, Omicron, what do you think? CDC, no masks, Monday. (laughs) You know, here's the thing. Uh, One of the things that's always been that has happened to me previously in the pandemic and has happened to me again this most recently is, you know, wave wave comes, safety measures come in experiencing them putting masks on keeping isolated to the extent possible etc etc and then there's always this moment that involves a restaurant where like nobody has a mask on and it's like right oh i guess we aren't doing that anymore (laughs) and so my experience uh this time was uh i was in a restaurant in the uh far suburbs of chicago and we walk into the restaurant all of us following state law that says we should have masks we walk in with our masks on nobody in the restaurant has a mask on Record, like, record scratch. It was just like, like I walk in, I'm like the host stand, like nope, like even the host does not have a mask on. I'm like, okay, we're not doing that anymore here, I guess. And like I look around, I just do a quick scan. Like obviously the patrons, they're eating, they can't have masks on. Like that makes sense. But uh, but then you see like none of the people at the bar. There was literally one person in this entire restaurant wearing a mask, uh, and and kudos to him for for doing it. Um, but everybody else was <laughs> just like. Uh, you know, and that's that's part of part of what's been weird about this the whole time is that because of the way that our political system works, yeah, there is no central control. Like there's the like the federal government can advise, but they can't really do anything to enforce it. No, you know, the states can set a rule, but ultimately it's going to be whatever the city government wants to do and whatever the people in that particular area want to do. Well, I mean, the enforcement will come down to independent bodies almost invariably, right? Right. So you can say it's what the local government wants to do, but, like, if you look at Florida, where 
the governor says, I'm going to withhold funding from anybody who even suggests that you should wear a mask or yeah. that the pandemic exists. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's like, you know, here in Chicago, like, I feel like we've been on the sort of leading edge of this. I think we've been a little more conservative than many places. And and the fact that, you know, if you look at each spike in, in COVID, we've overall done better than most places. Um, you know, I think that suggests that we've taken a good approach. Um, and it's not been burdensome. Am I glad that today is the last day I'm going to have to, like, dig out my phone, find my vaccine card, dig out my ID? Honestly, the ID part is, you know, like, if it's just my phone, it's just like, doo-doo, but then I have to get my ID out. It's just annoying. No, I have my ID on my phone. Oh, well, there you go. I just swipe, swipe. Oh, swipe, swipe. I never even occurred to me. Well, never occurred to me. well great. Last day. It doesn't last be any day. good. Now I give you all Thanks, this. Thanks, EJ. I could have saved you literally minutes <laughs> of your life. <laughs> But, you know, it's like it's nice not to have to do the hassle anymore. And, like, yeah. I will still be like, I'm not, you know, obviously, if I'm going to a restaurant, like, the mask is pointless. Um, when I go to the grocery store, I'm probably going to continue to wear my mask for a little bit. Just, you know, I know. normalize I'm it. licking the vegetables. You know, I mean, yeah, you pull the mask off to lick the vegetables, obviously. Sure. Um, I mean, when it, at the height of the pandemic, I was putting the vegetable under my mask to yeah. lick it, but. Right, right. Yeah. But, you know, I think it's like um, we're at the point now where we have, we have vaccines, we have high quality masks uh we have testing like there are if you are you as an individual are at greater risk there are tools to help you address that right and so you know you know we're we're getting to that point where it's like unless there are you know there's another severe wave that you know as an individual if you're more at risk there are tools that you have available to protect yourself and so that is good and i'm glad we've kind of gotten to that point but um yeah, so it's like the CDC guidelines, they're, they're you know, pulling back on mask mandates. Um, you know, Illinois is pulling back on that. So, like, we've all sort of decided collectively, like, all right, we're good on that for now. And, and inevitably, you know, I, I would fully expect that we will have, you know, next fall, I would expect to see them come back, you know, depending on kind of what's going we'll, on with the variants. We'll see. Um, we'll see. But, you I, know, like, you know, we have uh, ongoing work to get a vaccine for, for small children, which has been has shown good results in the youngest children, but not in sort of that two to five year range. So once they get that ironed out, I expect probably in the next few months that that will get approved and then everybody will be able to get a vaccine. I will say this, and this is a kind of a personal note. Yeah. It's still real, right? Absolutely. And if you're in a place that's not controlling things as well, like you should still be aware of it, right? Yeah. Like you should still, yeah, you should still be aware of it because... You know, I think the I'm I'm feeling like your predisposition for bad outcomes is amplified by it at this point. Um, again, here in Chicago, we're at like 1.4 percent positivity rate. Like numbers are very good. The yeah. CDC's guidelines are based on how busy your hospital is, which which is interesting, right? Because you could. Yeah. You could live through something and be impacted the rest of your life, but the hospital could be okay, and that's what they're basing well, the Well, yeah, on. and that's, you know, and I think it's important context and, and Thank you. being aware of, like, what are your risk factors. We have, we have gotten a better sense of, like, who's subject to long COVID yeah. and, and things like that. And, you know, and then there are very different variations of long COVID. You know, there can be right. the, 
you know, I've got a cough and I'm a little tired for a while versus, you know, as opposed to the I'm actually like unable to live my life kind of thing. Um, You know, and if you have if you're older, if you have other risk factors, obviously, then you're at greater risk. And so none of this should be read as you have carte blanche to start, you know, going and licking the vegetables again. Um, Damn it. I know that's a disappointment for you, but um, but in terms of like, can you get back to something approaching normal if you have relatively low risks? You know, we're we're at that point yeah, in I most places. Are. In most, not everywhere, but in most places. Okay, how about the Supreme Court? I, this is something we mentioned before, right? So, in our last episode, uh, Stephen Breyer announced his retirement. Yes. Good. Yes, and and we talked about a possible nominee. Who it turns out is in fact the nominee. Yes, yes, Tanja uh, Brown Jackson. Yes, currently on the D.C. Court of Appeals. Um, you know, has got a long history. I'm most thrilled by the fact that she's a public defender. Yes, which is like you would think. Like in our legal system, you have you know prosecutors, you have public defenders, and you have just sort of like other practicing lawyers, right? Yeah. And so you'd expect. We'd have a a mix of those on the Supreme Court, right? And probably more on the prosecutors and public defenders because they're more connected to government operations, et cetera. You'd think. Um, But public defenders are relatively rare uh, on the court. And certainly I can't imagine a Republican putting a public defender on the court. Can't imagine a Republican being a public defender. If somebody Uh, can't pay for something, why would I help them? Right. Right? Why would I help them? Because freedom? Freedom. (laughs) In the Constitution. Uh, (laughs) Freedom isn't free. Right. Okay, got it. It all makes sense now. So, you know, and uh, uh, Judge Jackson represented folks who were in Guantanamo, right? As a public defender, she was assigned cases for folks in Guantanamo. Yeah. And that came up in her hearings for the appeals court. Yeah. And... Who do you think were at, was asking her questions about, you know, whether or not she supports terrorism, because she was a was an appointed defender of folks in uh, Lindsay? No, actually, Lindsey Graham voted for her. Okay. Who, Ted who? Cruz. I've been, by the way, to touch back on our previous segment, I've been enjoying people trying to comparing the behavior of Zelensky versus Ted, Ted Cruz, Cruz with his little Texas mask in an airport, like, I'm off to the Caribbean or whatever he was doing to get out of Cancun. Texas. Cancun. Cancun, yeah, yeah, sorry. So he had his suitcase, I don't know, probably wearing Crocs. Right. His stupid-ass mask, walking through Crossing the airport. Crossing that very porous border on yeah. the south of the United Showing States. Showing the comparison to Zelensky. Anyhow, in a flak jacket in the a, middle of Kiev. Such a clown. Such a clown. So, you know, she's eminently qualified. Harvard Law, um, Harvard and Harvard Law has clerked for lots of judges, including Breyer. Yeah. Um, public defender. Has more experience than a number of the justices who are currently on the court. Right. Does not, does not have a spouse who actively supported the insurrection. That's always nice. Haven't really talked about that, but that's an interesting thing. Looking at you, Clarence Thomas. Um, she is connected, though, to former Speaker of the House Paul Ryan. Her partner's brother's spouse's brother 
is Paul Ryan's sister-in-law, I think. Okay, I'm just, I honestly, just the scene from Spaceballs is playing in my head. What does that make us? Nothing. <laughs> Nothing, exactly. <laughs> it's very disconnected, but uh, Paul Ryan came out saying, oh, I love Katanji. Um, I, she has a, a, a very good reputation inside of Washington, D.C., a personal reputation. She knows a lot of people. Again, several, not several, three Republicans voted for her nomination to the appeals court right so it'll be a little hard for them to walk back the that in terms of a supreme court nomination True. and and frankly i think at this point it's like there's there should be universal support from the democrats and it's like you may as well just go with it rather than look bad but yeah we'll so see. meetings with senators start next week yeah um you know there's all this kind of culture roar bullshit about uh oh we don't bleep bullshit sir oh okay we bleep. <laughs> it's the only thing we beat. Okay, just wanted to uh, about you know Biden saying he was going to nominate a, a, a black woman to the court. Like I ah, shouldn't do that. Like, look, clearly there are plenty of qualified people. Using race and experience as a qualification is a totally reasonable thing to do. Yeah, especially given the fact that Trump said. I am not even going to pay attention to who I nominate. I'm going to have somebody else give me a list. Yeah. yeah. So we're okay. I'm excited about I'm excited about this nomination. Yeah. And maybe if uh, Clarence Thomas wanted to resign because his wife was sponsoring the insurrection, right? That would be great. We could get a second pick. But we are only three years away from a presidential election, so. You know, maybe it's too close to uh, to do that. Just you know, I was I'm just briefly mentally distracted. I'm just going to bring this up for like five seconds. It is completely yeah, tangential it. to what we we're talking about. Love it. It was brought up by me bleeping out the word. Um, I was thinking about Joe Rogan's podcast because that was a I'm thing sorry. that happened. And and this is actually all I'm going to say about it is that happened. We have so much to talk about that like that isn't even worth talking about. That's true. Except for this five seconds where I'm acknowledging that it happened. Okay, moving on. If you saw our Get table us on tent. on Spotify. No, don't. <laughs> yeah, if you saw our table tent, we have these nice table tents, uh, you know, that give people the opportunity. If they see us talking, they're interested, they want to subscribe, they can just hit a QR code, and we've got it to Apple Podcasts. That gets Google. us up to approximately seven subscribers. I yeah, suspect, exactly. That's okay. Google Podcast, uh, Pocket Casts, and we had Spotify, but we've crossed that out because... Yeah. We'll Rogan. eventually replace that with a QR code that leads to, I don't know, the entire musical catalog of Neil Young, I guess. I, I guess it will. I guess it will. Um, you know, some interesting stuff about the January 6th Select Committee, but we'll save that. It's, it's still on a low boil. we got so much we've been talking yeah. about. Yeah, we don't need to get into that um, too much. Let me, let me just combine some things from the last couple topics. How... Much do you think that the Republicans' 2022 fundraising efforts will be impacted by Russia not being able to easily send money outside of their borders? <laughs> I mean, well, you know, to be fair, uh, Trump is a very rich person, and so he could funnel a tremendous amount of his valuable assets into funding the Republican Party. Oh, oh, oh right. He's not going to do that because right. he's busy taking money from them. See, also win red. Right. Yeah. Uh, I, and yeah, I, no, I, it's that's sort be... of tongue-in-cheek, tongue but I actually think that 
what we've seen over the last few years is that a lot of money has been funneled. I, I'm really convinced. I mean, it's hard to know like where where it drifts from evidence pointing to something and it being conspiracy theory. But like, there's an awful lot of people within the Republican Party who are fairly chummy with Russia. Right. And it may just be that, like, they just love a good authoritarian and that's cool with them. Okay, fine. But I get a feeling like, you know, some of the old uh, people who are Trump supporters, it's like, no, they're, they've got a little more skin in the game than they're willing to admit. Oh, and yeah. Devin I, Nunez, I for example. Like, I'm sure somewhere uh. along the way there's some linkage to a, a, an account in Cyprus that came through some oligarch. And oh, I mean, and, and Devin Nunez is a great example of... Yeah. You know, the bilking the rubes section, right? Because he's the head of Trump Media, just launched Truth Social. Yep. You're not going to believe this. They stole a logo from somebody else. Oh, yeah. No, I saw that. Because yeah. you can't spend $12 to get an original logo, and everything like, immediately crashed. Let me, let me be clear on something, people. You know that beer can noise that I put in this podcast? That's actually intellectual property, right? And I've actually paid money to a human being so we could use that sound of a beer can opening. I could have recorded myself, but I'm like, ah, I don't really have time for that. Like, you couldn't just buy a stock logo off a of I'm like, come on. Anybody. Like, just, I, it's, like, it's not, exp like, it's like 20 bucks, maybe. It's not that much money, dude. It's, it's they, not anybody. You, I, could, you could have a, you could have a contest amongst all of the artistically inclined right-wing nut jobs to, right, never mind. <laughs> I don't know how you take a swastika and put a T on it. I, right. The like, swastika is the S in the social. Right. I mean, you, they just didn't want to be too much like a Confederate flag, I'm guessing. And that's yeah. what, what drove them away from that. So just unbelievable. <laughs> Unbel but totally believable that, that, of course, it crashed as soon as they launched it. Right. They were going to launch it on President's Day. It's a shame for them that they didn't have the guy who wrote Wordle doing their, their development efforts. Because that guy knows how to scale shit. <sighs> okay. <laughs> Let's talk about where we're at today. <laughs> Let's talk about the beer for a moment. Yes. Um, we've already gone long. I think the beer discussion is good. We are at Cultivate. Cultivate by, by Forbidden, Forbidden Root. Root. Uh, and if you are familiar with the former location, it was... Um, Band? Band of Bohemia, yes. Like, the name slipped away right as I was supposed to talk about it. Um but this is the former Band of Bohemia location. Actually, a lot of the, the furniture is the same furniture. They have the cool, like, smoke pit thing that they had there. Uh, the food is excellent. I've had that before. We, didn't, we weren't really doing a lot of food uh, this trip. We did some potato chips, which were perfectly lovely. Uh, they were good. Uh, the beer is great. A really good selection of beer. Um, compared to Band of Bohemia, I feel like the beer selection is better here. Um, yeah, I think so, too. Like, I was I was shocked how many beers they had. Yeah, because I think Band of Bohemia had like four. Yeah, they had like yeah they had like maybe half a dozen. They were meant to pair with the meals that they were serving, and they were very much targeting like a a very like you know it was a Michelin rated restaurant that kind yeah. of thing. And it was and it was excellent. I loved it, except for the fact that like apparently the owners were kind of bad. Uh, there was a whole thing with like some harassment that they didn't yeah. really uh, do. And much I'll about tell you, and, I was here uh, once and somebody spilled one of the bartenders spilled. A whole drink on my phone and ruined it, and uh, yes. I was just out of phone. But they did things with carrots there 
And I, and I, I know that sounds insane. Like, like they I'm, do like, things with carrots at bars in Tijuana, but we don't know, talk about them on right. this podcast. We don't talk about them on this podcast because that would be inappropriate. I had to bleep out the whole thing. It would be very complicated. Um, they were, they were like, I'm not, a, I'm not a like carrots, but like they were like the like platonic essence of carrot. It was just like, anyhow, it was very good. And they were extremely expensive for being carrots, but yet you're like, wow, I feel like I'm getting good value for the money. That is a great carrot. carrot. Is that That's good. a solid carrot. Right. But I've had a couple good beers here, yes. if you can't tell. <laughs> you um, haven't tried the carrots yet, but uh, the beers yeah, I are good. Yeah, I haven't tried the carrots. The <laughs> beers have been really good, and I, I've, like, they've got several, you know, sort of hazy Northeastern IPAs. I've been trying those out. They've been great. Um, right now, I am drinking a Small Talk Hazy Pale Ale. It's like 5%. It's super good. Like it's it's fresh. It's it's a little citrusy, really nice. And I, here's the other thing I'm going to say: their beer prices are pretty reasonable. Yeah, yeah, they're pretty reasonable. Yeah, no, it's 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 really good. Um, and I start off with the Bicycle Fire Fruited Kvek K V E I K. I don't know how you pronounce that. Kvek Kvek. I don't Kvech. know. It's one I. They, well, Here's a description of it. it. We grilled some grapefruit halves on our wood-burning hearth, adding them with a little white pepper to a Kvik IPA, creating a refreshing citrus-forward beer with a touch of floral spice. And I mean, if you are a listener to this podcast, you know I don't drink IPAs, and yet yeah. I did, and it was well worth it. I mean, I have to say that is the whitest thing I've heard this week. We grilled some grapefruit halves on our wood-burning hearth. <laughs> And just with a it's little even white, white pepper. pepper. That's, yeah. that's, that's <laughs> yeah, how white it is. To um, some weird IPA. Like, oh, so, wow. Okay. Yeah, so I had Thank that, you. and that was good. And then I decided to back off the IPAs and went to the League Night, which is a tart golden ale with raspberry and lemon. And it is delightful. It's not quite as sour. It's it's just like a golden ale with some fruitiness going on. Uh, kind of reminds me a little bit of like a Rubeus. Like, it's mm. kind of that, that sort of thing. Uh, so quite good. Uh, definitely recommend coming here. Um, we consider just, uh, you know, podcasting across the street from Twisted Hippo and, you know, having a couple beers in the corner, but, uh, it's about as close as we could get to that. And so, yeah. So, uh, just one quick thing. Kvik is a type of hop. Oh, well, there you go. So there, it's a Norwegian No wonder type I don't know what it is. I had to look it up. I'm not going to say that I knew what it was. And before yeah. this beer, I had a, uh, a Space Graffiti IPA. Also, just really, really good. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm really enjoying the beers here. I think they they've do done a great job. If you, you want to yeah. get a, a few different things. Um, you know, not a huge menu, but I think the right size menu to yeah. make sure you're going to get good There's stuff. lots of good options. Um, you know, if you just want a couple snacks, you can do that. Um, I wanted the cheese and crackers, but uh, but EJ has a thing against buying Ritz. Uh, they were Ritz crackers, man. So. I can't. You can't know. spend nine dollars on Ritz crackers. That's, Doesn't matter how yeah, good the cheese is. I understand, is. Uh, but I've had the like the entree stuff here, and it was all really yeah. good. So, uh, yeah, come by. It's on Ravenswood. Uh, it's not too far away from Dovetail and right, Beguile. Right down the street from the Marianos. Oh yeah, you could just go get go shop your groceries, have a beer afterwards. Your groceries will have spoiled, but Actually, maybe the do taps, it the other order. The taps at Marianos are pretty good. Oh yeah, I've never. I haven't actually ever had beer at the Mariano's, but... I mean, it's a very civilized thing. You walk into Mariano's, you order yeah. a beer, you put it in your cart, yeah. you walk around. Yeah, I try not to be at the grocery store long enough to enjoy a beer, but, you know, that's just me. 
I respect the idea, though. Uh, so All we right. should talk local real quick. Uh, yeah, Illinois we're just, local. We're just, gonna, we're just rambling yeah, today, but that's okay. The, the big thing that it's I wanted to talk about, um, we've talked about word maps before, super important. We're still a year out from word elections, but there will probably be a referendum on the maps. And the difficulty in finding out what the maps look like is supremely frustrating for me. Yeah. Um, and tying this back to something from the very beginning. The fire that, that consumed Twisted Hippo and American Ninja Warriors was started at a building. Ultimate uh, Ninja Warriors. Ultimate, thank you. Uh, <laughs> owned by a slumlord who owns like 40 build- buildings. Yeah. And who proudly says, I think I have some kind of world record for a number of violations and lawsuits against me. Yeah. And none of the politicians are actually doing anything to make it better. I've been in his buildings. I have a building of his right behind ours. It's a combination of rats and just terrible living conditions. Um, very difficult. Very difficult. You know, and it, yeah, we'll bring up, you know, we talked about Twisted Hippo a couple times here. Um, there were people living in those apartments there who, who yeah, and we're raising money homeless. for them as well. And, you know, and so uh, that's a hell of a thing. It is a terrible thing. I'm, I'm, I'm just, you know, I, I was trying not to I was trying not to swear again so we didn't have to mark it. Well, as um, long as you don't say, f- we don't have to bleep it out. So Patrick Daly Thompson. Remember, we used to have this week in criminal older people. Yeah. Patrick Daly Thompson. Grandson Which, of he's got Daly in his name. Yeah, you yeah. knew you knew this wasn't gonna work out. So Alderman of a Southside Ward over Bridgeport. Um a daily from Bridgeport? Wow. Huh. Never would have guessed. Convicted of tax fraud. Yeah. This month. Um is gonna go to jail. Yeah. It was one of fifteen people caught up in an investigation of a bank down there. Uh I don't know. Washington Federal is the name of the bank's generically named grifty, grafty kind of yeah, place. Yeah. Um, I'm really happy to see that we actually got somebody convicted. Uh, he's now not on the city council there. You can if you live in his ward, you can go ahead and apply to be appointed by the mayor. Um, so that's very interesting. Yeah. Uh, but hey, there you go. You know, here's how you know there's a lot of shit going on this week. We didn't even talk about the the former president's like accounting firm saying we oh, you yeah. can't trust any of this shit. Yeah, <laughs> we didn't talk about the death of uh, Mark Lanigan, former lead singer for the Screaming Trees. Formative right. for me. Right. Yes. Formative for me. Well, there you go, man. We didn't sorry, even talk I'm about sorry, the trees I, I, who I, are screaming. Sorry for your loss. <laughs> I mean, ah. Uh, what, Stay what strong, a, everybody. Week, support man. your local brewery. Support you know the breweries that have burned down. Support your Ukrainian friends and yeah. family. Uh, yeah. Uh, and if you can, you know, there's there's a lot of efforts to uh, get donations to help with what's going on in Ukraine. Um, you know, if you can spare a little, send them a little. Um, and obviously, if you can help uh, Twisted Hippo, they have that fundraiser too. So send a little everywhere because everywhere could use a little help. And uh, that's all. All right. Take care, everybody. Thanks, everybody. Bye-bye.